Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. First of all, I'd like to congratulate Kirby and, you know, Georgia's football team for winning the East. Um, They've played tremendous football all season long. Uh, probably the most consistent team, the most dominant team um, all year. Uh, and I think, you know, that's because of the competitive character they have, the great coaching staff that they have, and the good job that they've done together as a team. Uh, certainly a privilege and an honor for us to be in the SEC championship game. Uh, we think that's one of the best competitive venues, you know, in college football. and. Uh, certainly going to be a great challenge for our team to play what I feel is probably the best team in the country. Well, that is obviously Nick Saban uh, playing the uh, Georgia Bulldogs and former assistant Kirby Smart this Saturday in the SEC Championship game, 4 o'clock on CBS 47, by the way. And then we'll have a postgame show at 7.30. Stuart Weber uh, will lead that coverage while we're out in Los Angeles. We'll have some uh, reports from Los Angeles as well. Uh, so got you covered. On CBS 47 SEC Championship game. It's a big one. Brent Martin, No String Sports Brewery, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, back in the Action Sports Shack Studios. And uh, this is fun right here. I mean, you can make the case that this could be the best game left on the schedule in college football. Like, better than the national semifinal and maybe better than the national championship, Austin. Yeah, I mean, well, it could be a repeat of the national championship game if things fall into place as well. True. Yeah. But no, I agree uh, with you for sure. I don't know. How do you feel about this game with Alabama being an underdog? Listen, most people either love Alabama, and there's a lot of folks that do, but then if you don't, you hate them, and you want them to lose. And listen, I don't know if I hate Alabama, but I'm kind of tired of Alabama, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I like new blood. That's what's fun about this college football season. For a guy who's really neutral on the college football front, like the, it is fun to have new teams, from Cincinnati to even Michigan. Uh, to Georgia with a chance to to win it, and I know they're not new in the in the conversation, but this is their best chance to win a national title, especially given the field and everything else uh, since well in a long time. But they could win their first one since 1980, and they are so good and have been so good that I uh, I would like them to win one. I, I really would like to see Georgia win a national championship. Uh, but you know what, Michigan can, could say the same thing, uh, and obviously Cincinnati could be Cinderella. And we'll see about an Oklahoma State or somebody else that sneaks in there. Uh, so I think it's a fascinating playoff. But this game in general, you know, I feel like Georgia's better. And I feel like they're significantly better. They've proven that on the field each and every Saturday. But two things would concern me if I'm a Georgia Bulldog. Okay. One, it's Nick Saban in Alabama. And even if they are not, don't have their best team that they've had, they're going to bring their best game in December to Atlanta and the SEC championship most likely. And the second thing that as always, I've said this to every Georgia fan out there, and they haven't had to deal with it much. I think somebody gave me a stat where, like, they've trailed for maybe, uh, like, 20 minutes all year. And I don't even know if it's that high. What happens if they do fall behind? Do they have the offensive firepower? Do they have the makeup? Do they have the poise to come back and win a game if they need to, if they're trailing at halftime? I'm not just talking about the first drive of the game, but I'm talking about deep into the second quarter, into the second half. They have really not had to experience that. They have been great front runners. Their defense has been so dominant. They've been out in front early. They can run. They can still throw the football when needed and, and make big plays happen. I mean, they are really, really good and sound. But 
those are my two questions, Austin, about Georgia, is what happens if they do trail? Will they stay poised and, and then make a comeback? Uh, and can they do that with Stetson Bennett in the offense if they need a drive late in the third or in the fourth or, or even late in the fourth quarter to go win a game? And uh, the second one is look out, right? I mean, it's Saban, it's, it's Alabama. You don't have to be great when you have a great coach. I think the Patriots have proven that over years. They'd still scare the heck out of you, even if they don't have the most talented team on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about, and I'm not even sure what the point spread is right now. But six and a half, I think. Six and a half. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. I mean, Alabama has earned every single right to be the underdog um, in this matchup because I, I've, I've talked about this before. The, the most consistent thing in all of college football is this Georgia defense. And when you talk about an Alabama team who, you know, you're, you're only as good as your last game, well, their last game against Auburn, I don't know what happened with their offensive line, but the Auburn defensive line absolutely feasted. And Auburn def- Auburn's defensive line doesn't even hold a candle to Georgia's defensive line. No. So then what do you think is going to happen if Georgia, you know, starts to feast? You know, it, it could be trouble for Alabama. So to me, I mean, that's the biggest difference right now. Um, in terms of how this game can play out. It's this Alabama offensive line that's not playing the best. I mean, you know, they had trouble running the football against Auburn. Um, obviously, passing was a, a situation as well. I think they put, what, 10 points in the in the game until overtime? Was that what uh, it was? Y- is that what it was? I think, uh, I th- yeah, I mean. I, I don't know. I was yeah. kind of in the, I didn't see every stat in that game because okay. I was watching it from the airport uh, flying back. But Yeah, and and I understand, like, yeah, it's parody sometimes. College football, crazy things happen. You know, look at Michigan, Ohio State, but this is still a rivalry game, right? So yeah, yeah. You, you still have to get your best brand of football against your rival, and, and Alabama didn't show that. Um, you know, meanwhile, you know, Georgia on the offensive side of things, like, they're, they're starting to find a groove a little bit. Everyone's getting healthy in terms of the wide receiver position. Now, this team wants to run the football, and that could be a problem against Alabama um, because that's what Alabama actually does pretty well is still stopping the run. Now, in terms of overall team defense, this isn't an Alabama team of old. It's not the Alabama defense that you're accustomed to um, in terms of talent, you know, from, from safety to corner to linebacker, defensive line. Like, yeah, they're still a good team. They're Alabama, but they're not the Alabama you're accustomed to. So I think, you know, this Georgia team can maybe run the football a little bit. Um, if they get in past situations, they can maybe pass a little bit. But to me, it comes down to, once again, just this Georgia defense being a bunch of dogs, pun intended, and I'm not sure if Alabama can handle that part of it. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that may, I don't know if it scares me, but I would say, if you say, hey, who's the best player in this football game? You could make the argument it's Bryce Young. Couldn't you? Um... I mean, in terms of, like, you know, when you say best player, like, yeah, I mean, he's he's the, probably the most important player, I would say. Yeah, so, yeah, I, so I guess, yeah, like, player. listen, Jordan Davis, I think he's an unbelievable player, right? <clears throat> yeah. But I don't know, from that position, you can't dictate the game like Bryce Young can. Sure. So, like, Stetson Bennett's not going to do that. Nobody on offense for Georgia really is probably going to do that. Uh, the defense as a whole of Georgia is certainly the best unit on the field. But Bryce Young, again, didn't play well last week and then delivered in the clutch a couple times. And so is this does that get him going? Is he feeling good about himself? And can he be electric in this game? And I think um, at times he has been this year. At times he's been really good. At times he's been neutralized. Uh, so I don't know which one is going to show up. But the 
in the back of my mind, if I'm Georgia, I'm thinking, all right, we have a great defense, but this guy's really talented now, and he can light us up potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and with the receiving core and, and what they do have on offense. So it's going to be a fascinating game. I, I just don't think what I would be very careful of if I'm anybody watching this game is like, oh, yeah, Georgia's got this one. Look, six-and-a-half-point dogs. Look what Alabama's done. I'm a big believer in look what Alabama's done. They, they're, they feel a lot like Oklahoma where they – People are challenging them week in, week out, but they're still winning games. Uh, I could have made ten different ways they should have lost that game last week. But I think they should really scare people, too, because they're in this game with still a chance for the Final Four, and they, I think, will play their best football game of the year Saturday on CBS 47 against the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, This is a tough one for you, Casey, as a Gator. I mean, you hate both these teams. Yeah, uh, don't love it. Glad I won't have to be super locked in to watch it, although I probably will just because, you know, football. But here's the only thing I'm pretty sure of is the spread is going to be it's going to be covered either way is what I'm getting at. I don't know who's winning, but the spread's being covered either way. That's pretty much what I know because <laughs> I think it's either going to go Georgia's going to dominate Bryce Young or the total opposite. I just don't know what it is yet. And if it's Alabama dominating the Georgia defense, it's because of their coaching and they figured out a way to scheme it up for Bryce Young. Again, domination on one side, just not sure which one yet. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Make a call sooner or later, will you? Probably not. Would you go the over, Casey? Or not? I don't think so. No? Yeah. When I mean dominate, I'm thinking like 20 to 7, something like that. I still think there's going to be points hard to come by, but one way or another, someone's covering 6.5. No, I'm I'm not mad at that. What's the other option? Like, <laughs> where it's a close, like, game comes One, down to the two, wire. Three, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're saying it's like coming down to the last possession. You, you, you're saying yeah. that this game. So I is see what you're saying. You're saying like even if Alabama wins, they're going to win by a couple scores. Yes, correct. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Um, I was like, well, yeah, one way or another, six and a half is going to get covered. <laughs> yeah, no, that's sure. that's what I meant. I just didn't know how to articulate it correctly. Okay, so that's what we're here for. I got you, dude. Um, Appreciate it. Hey, it's a, it's a fun day in college football, by the way. Baylor, Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State's got everything in front of them, and you know the Big 12 screws everything up, so there is no doubt Oklahoma State will lose that game. <laughs> like, seriously, there's no doubt they will lose that game. Like, I just feel this sets up perfectly for, like, Baylor to beat them and the Big 12 to be knocked out. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the, the Big 12 eats each other. It's usually what happens. Yeah, I mean, if Oklahoma State wins, and they're fifth right now. Do they get in and bump Cincy? Uh, Not if Cincinnati beats Houston handily. Yeah. Houston's ranked two. I mean. Yeah. yeah, they both have a chance to win. So what is what is the committee playing here then? Because if if Alabama loses, they're out, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. For well, sure. Well, 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 first of all, we got to say if Cincinnati wins and Oklahoma State wins, like what if Alabama loses to Georgia Will Notre Dame get in ahead of them if Oklahoma State loses? It's actually okay, an interesting question because they've been very clear that they don't want to put a coachless Notre Dame in. But two loss Alabama isn't good either. But they have a coach now. That's true. No, yeah, I think Notre Dame's definitely getting in. If Al- I mean, okay, so if Oklahoma State loses, if Alabama loses, then yes. Well, I think Cincinnati's still... Yes, yeah, Cincinnati would still be in, yeah, and but you have one Notre more spot Dame. of yeah, it. Yeah, probably Notre Dame, for sure. Let's talk more through that. Uh, should they be in? Uh, many people are like, hey, Notre Dame's played absolutely nobody. Their schedule just hasn't worked out very well. Um, 
I think you can make the case that Notre Dame is one of the four best teams playing football right now. Like, yeah. they have looked that good. I understand the schedule isn't great, but there are a lot of teams that don't play a lot of teams. But, but yeah, <laughs> but, know? I mean, whose fault is that, though? It's, it's not their fault that Stanford ended up being a horrible team this year. It's not their fault that North Carolina ended up being a, you know, a whatever team this year. It's not their fault that USC sucked this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't it's, think it's... It's, it's, not like the, it's not like they scheduled cupcakes. It's just the, the people that they scheduled turned out to be cupcakes, but it's not their fault. Yeah, and I just think... You know how they do, like, that strength of victory or whatever they call it and and they like the control of the game kind of stuff yeah, they, yeah. they break down all these things i mean I, I really just think some of those measurables are going to be really good uh for notre dame i i just think the eye test tells me if you're trying to find the four best teams in the country right now i think if alabama loses especially if they lose by say 10 points or or more well coming off last week where they barely survived like you really can't sit here and tell me alabama is one of the best four teams i, I wouldn't buy it and so they're out. And then Oklahoma State, if they lose, they've got to be out. Are we giving up on Baylor, though, if they beat Oklahoma State? Well, and that's but they put Baylor in the nine hole, I think, in the rankings, didn't they? Yeah, they are. Like, that's a long way to jump. you got to jump three spots, four spots, really, to get ahead of um, of Notre Dame alone. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's just Notre Dame hasn't really played anybody. And then you have Baylor, who, yes, they have lost twice. But at the time, they beat number 12 BYU. They beat Oklahoma and they're going to beat Oklahoma State. So that's got to be so, better wins than Notre Dame's wins. They do have better wins. But here's the, th- here's the thing, though, Casey. I think if Alabama loses and Baylor wins, then I put Alabama in over Baylor. Yeah. Because the, oh, would you? Yeah, because the losses. Well, the two, yeah, I yeah. Could, because you would have beaten Georgia, sure. Correct. But if Alabama loses. No, 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 no. no, 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 no that's no, what no, I'm saying. saying I'm if saying if lose. Alabama loses, I'm putting them in over Baylor. Oh, no shot. You don't think so? No shot. Okay. You lost to well, Texas here- A&M. Baylor lost to what, TCU? Well, okay, fair. Well, here's the thing. Okay, you guys bring up a really good point. Because the problem with Alabama, nobody wants to admit this because everybody thinks the SEC is always so dominant and good. But the only teams that Alabama really has beaten is Ole Miss, who's top ten. Give them credit. They're not like the old Ole Miss. It doesn't sound good, but they're top ten. And like Arkansas. Is Arkansas still in the top 25? I think they are. So, like, you talk about quality wins, and Alabama doesn't have a lot of them. But then who are Notre Dame's quality wins? Well, but we're talking about Baylor right here for a moment. Okay. Right? Notre Dame. Notre Dame's different because they would have one loss to a top five team. You know, Alabama would lose to a team that's not even ranked right now, I think, in Texas A&M and a top five team. Yeah. And the Baylor Um, losses would be Oklahoma, BYU, the, the Baylor loss would be Sorry. Oklahoma State and TCU. Yeah, but the Oklahoma but they State beat loss Oklahoma. Isn't bad. No, but they beat Oklahoma. They would beat Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. They and already BYU. beat like Iowa State when they were good and BYU. So I mean, they have better wins. To your question, like that's a fair question, Austin. Let's just say Notre Dame's not going to get in for some reason, uh, or Cincinnati loses as well. Let's say Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Alabama all lose. Notre Dame gets in as the in the three hole, and now you're picking one more team out of like uh, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Alabama, and Cincinnati. Well, I think Baylor would make a strong case, even though they have a weak loss, for the wins that they've had: beating Oklahoma State, beating Oklahoma, and like you just said, beating BYU, which is now looking good because BYU's been playing pretty good football. So it's, it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, 
you know, if that scenario paints itself, I highly doubt it does. Uh, but then you'd also, also, by the way, you'd put Ohio State back in the mix at two losses. Like, if you want, like, just pure chaos. Well, no. Root see, for no. Alabama, Cincinnati, uh-huh. Oklahoma State to lose. No, in, in my opinion, Ohio State's out of it regardless. Like, you, you cannot not play in a national or in a, 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 a championship game, like a kind of a championship game, and then still go to the football playoff. Now, that's not fair. Like, I, I think regardless what happens with Iowa and Michigan, I don't think Ohio State's going into the playoff regardless what happens. Yeah, probably. I, w- I would say you're probably right, but they would be in the conversation. By the way, Iowa and BYU could jump into the conversation but, of two lost teams. Yeah, and then Iowa Oregon wins. would also be in the mix. Does Oregon get back in the mix then? Oh, man, that's chaotic. I love it. It's hurting my head. Alabama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. Root for them to lose, and it could be wild. It will be. Yeah, I, I think Oregon would have to really, I don't know, because how good is that loss now, to your point? But I don't know. It's a nightmare. I have a migraine. <laughs> I know, man. My head's hurting. Well, well, to your point, like, right, Oregon would get in over Ohio State. They beat them, well, yeah, you would think. Yeah, but how much does that win matter now? I don't know. Good, good call. If uh, only there was a formula or something, you know, they just kind of <laughs> pick and choose as they go. You yeah. Know what I Listen, mean? I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the playoff. And get into 12. I like it. I think it's the way it should be done. But I'd also be lying to say this way of doing it doesn't create the amount of intrigue and scenario and, and conversation we're having right now. And that is fun. And that is fun for fans. It's fun for schools. It keeps every, Like, you could seriously make the case right now that if that did happen, Alabama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State all lose, well... Everybody in the top, like, 13 in the country has a chance. Or at least would at least have an argument. Did you guys know Ole Miss is number eight? Yeah, they're 10 and 2. They're good. But, but they got hammered by Alabama. Right, but why are they ranked ahead of Baylor? I don't know. Like, that doesn't, I don't Probably because of the loss. I think, I think I they the TCU. put, I don't again, I think this time of year, the committee kind of tells you how they feel about all that stuff, you know? But Baylor has an opportunity. See, the thing about Ole Miss is they don't have an opportunity to increase their, their status. Baylor has a huge opportunity to increase status. No, that's, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just, I don't, some things I don't understand, I guess. And that's Well, and that's, what, that's the problem with this is a lot of people don't fully understand it. I'm just telling you from an intrigue, conversational, all those kind of standpoints, this is fascinating. And, and because we have Cincinnati in the fold, and because we have teams like Oklahoma State and Baylor in the fold, and even Michigan trumping Ohio State, and two losses for a team like Ohio State, potentially two losses for Alabama, it's created these scenarios which I think are just fascinating. And that's as good as a playoff, at least this one time. Um, it's not always like this. This is about as chaotic as we potentially could get. And the way the college football world has worked in the past is it plays itself out. Alabama will lose, Cincinnati will win, Oklahoma State will win, and it's easy. Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, right? That's kind of the way the college football playoff has played itself out. We root for chaos almost every year, but we don't get it. Yeah, but here's the crazy thing. What if they all win? What if Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State all win? Does Oklahoma State jump Cincinnati? That is the best question. If Alabama wins, they're automatically in. Mm-hmm. If and they would pr- might even move to number one, Michigan would stay number two in my opinion. Uh, and then you got to keep. What Georgia. do you do? Yeah. W- uh, w- Georgia goes to three, 
And then what do you do with Oklahoma State versus Cincinnati? And I do think Cincinnati then would be in a little bit of trouble depending on on the style points in each championship game. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Then we get back to the style because if Cincinnati struggles, I think they open the door for Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma, if Cincinnati routes Houston, well, then I think it's probably case closed because that TCU loss, Oklahoma State. Oh no, that was Baylor at Oklahoma State loss. Um, the only loss to, is Iowa State for Oklahoma State. Yeah. We'll see if that stings. Ah, there's an Iowa State enough. mentioned in the college football playoff, Casey. There you go. We'll, Been a we'll long see time. If that's, yeah, we'll see if that stings them enough. I, that will be fascinating too. Um, I'm kind of hoping that doesn't happen because I'm rooting for Cincinnati to get in. Same. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, you guys are? Sure. Yeah. So you want to see the group of five in? Yeah, yeah. I want to see Cincinnati in. Yeah, if it was UCF, no. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, UCF has helped pave, knock down. Boise State and UCF over the years have helped knock down the bricks to allow this to happen finally hey. uh, for Cincinnati. And I would too, though. And, and by the way, I think Oklahoma State wouldn't be a bad team to have in. I'm, I'm glad it's Oklahoma State or Cincinnati, and it's not like we're talking about Ohio State and Oklahoma. Because no, a lot, I, I think those teams would get in just off name recognition. And so I'm glad it's not that. Instead, it's who's going to earn themselves in. And I think you can make a case for Oklahoma State over Cincinnati. But I'd like to see Cincinnati get in and the little guy get in. And I'm telling you who else would like to see all this shake out the way we're talking. And that's probably Georgia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Georgia could end up with Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati in the final four with them. That's about as easy of a path as you could create to win a national championship. Nothing's easy. But that's about as easy a path. And that's why I started this segment with saying this could be the toughest game Georgia has left on their schedule. Against I would, Alabama. I would imagine it is. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, we will find out for sure. Uh, we'll be back. String Sports Brewery here on uh, ESPN 690. Get you caught up on Florida State. Back to the NFL and the Jags. Plus a Thursday night football game. Committed to the uncommitted. Presented by Baker Sports. Got a lot to get to here on a Thursday. Kevin Hardy joins us on Jaguars All Access. Coming up tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. Come on out to Strings. We'll have the show live from here until 6 on ESPN 690. 7 to 7.30 on Fox 30. We'll be right back. Similarities, you know, they were all under the John Gruden tree, you know, and the, the Shanahan tree. They all work together. I mean, now you get the you get the motion coming. You get another guy coming back after the motion, so they get your eyes wandering, and all of a sudden the ball's running your gap, and you're over here. You're not looking at your responsibility. So they do a really good job with that, and they have the play action passes off of it. And now they've really added a, you know, with uh, with Matt Stafford, a guy that can drop back on on any down and, and hit every route. So. It's, uh, it's a challenging offense. That is Joe Cullen, Jaguars defensive coordinator. Brent Martineau live at uh, Spring Sports Brewery in Springfield. Come on out each and every Thursday. Always glad to be here. Jaguars all access for the next month or so. Still on Thursdays and live on Fox 30. Of Kevin Hardy, former Jags um, superstar, of course. Uh, he'll be here tonight with us on Jaguars All Access. Uh, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, back in the Action Sports Shack Studios. Your guy is Joe Cullen. We love him. He has done a really good job, Austin. And unfortunately, we don't really talk about him a lot. It's hard to talk about this defense. It's not like they're great. But they certainly are better. 
than, heck, I anticipated them being and way better than they were for the first five or six weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, they're they're making improvements, and that's what you want to see right now from this team. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, going forward, I think Joe Collins is going to be the guy for the job. Once you add a couple more players here or there in terms of personnel um, and you get some better talent, yeah, I think they could be firing all cylinders, and they could be a formidable defense um, for years to come. But what I do like now is the fact that in terms of the past, like, yeah, we talked about all right, the personnel, the talent, but we also talked about the scheme. I don't hear a lot of people bad-mouthing the scheme anymore mm-hmm. because, like, we, we've seen what it can turn into, right? Like, we, we've seen the good of it. Now, once again, you need more personnel. But you're off to the right start because now we're not questioning, well, why is this guy playing this position? Or why are they running this kind of defense? I think the overall consensus right now amongst this fan base and amongst us alike is the fact that this scheme looks like it's going to work for years to come. Yeah, and and it's it's refreshing to see it. I think some people still are like, hey, you have to blitz every time on third down, or it's a blitzing defense. You are who you are. They want to blitz more. They probably even haven't blitzed as much as they will down the road uh, from a personnel standpoint. So I I think his adjustments have been really good. You know, I, I hate to blame everything on coaching that goes wrong. I also think players make plays and players don't make plays. It's a player's league. I'm a huge believer in that. But I do think sometimes coaching jumps out at you. And earlier in the year, we were critical of Joe Cullen's defense and kind of like, hey, can you get the play in and can you guys get organized and why do you have 12 men on the field and why are you running all over the field? And I've even said a couple of times, even in this stretch, hey, if you're running around on and off the field, call timeouts. Mm-hmm. Like, I, so something. I'm not saying they've been perfect. I think there are some things to be critical of. They want to stop the run. They've been okay against the run. They haven't been unbelievable against the run. They've been okay against the run. Uh, But the adjustments that they make and have made, I think, are noticeable. And that jumps off the page to me. And I think that is coaching. I think that's also the maturation of some players. It's the health of some players. I'll give you two players that have really popped lately. And some of that's health and some of that's maturity. Roy Robertson-Harris and Tyson Campbell. You know, those guys are playing way better the last month, and they've made a difference. And we've talked about the interior of the defensive line. It's been way better in the last four or five weeks than it was early on. And obviously Tyson Campbell just came off his best game. So uh, I like that part, Austin. I, I, like, I want to be able to say, hey, this coaching staff is doing a good job. I, we haven't been able to say that a lot. I think you can say that about Joe Cullen. And uh, some of those defensive coaches, especially the guys bringing along a player like Tyson Campbell. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect, right? You, you did have a rough first half against the, the um, Atlanta Seahawks. Falcons. Oh, Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. yeah, Atlanta Falcons. I mean, Cordell Patterson was the reincarnation of Derrick Henry for a half, so that didn't look the best. But, yes, overall right now in terms of nitpicking, in terms of things to like from this team and just, you know, positive things going forward, I think what Joe Cullen is bringing to the table in terms of the philosophy and the scheme, I do like that a lot. So my other part of this, and I've said this a couple of times recently, I think they have a chance to be really good in 2022. Like, they still don't have enough good players, but now you add one more def- defensive offseason, make some acquisitions, you got free agent money, you got a little growth of a guy like Tyson Campbell, and you kind of know who he is. Uh, we still have not seen Cisco, so that's like going to be a bonus pick, I guess, if he ever gets in there and if he's any good. Uh, we don't know. But, I mean, but, does it worry that we haven't seen Cisco yet? Well, yeah, I mean, it worries me about 
I don't know what. Like, is, is it worry me about Cisco? Does it worry me about, like I told you a couple of weeks ago, is it the communication of Rayshon Jenkins they're not comfortable with? Is that just a new defense? They weren't comfortable putting the rookie out there and all these new parts out there? Is it Winger playing better than we really think he is? Uh, which I do think there is an element of that. I mean, he's not great. but Ugh, And you would yeah. hope that a third-round pick would be able to outplay and beat out Wingard. I understand. So there's something holding it back, man. I have no idea. I, I really don't know what it is. I just gave you three or four options, and maybe it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's problematic uh, that, that he has not played yet. And I thought he wouldn't play until midway through the season because of injury. Well, that wasn't the case. He was cleared to go in August. So I don't know. But my point being is, yeah, that's that's definitely a critical point on the defense is why isn't he doing anything mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when you drafted him in the third round? And it's not like you have a pro bowler in Andrew Wingard. We can debate how well he's playing, but he's not a pro bowl guy. And your third round pick should probably be able to get on the field by this time of year. And I hope they put him out there sooner than later. I mean, they're two and nine. They're not playing for anything. Put them out there. Let them grow because now we're seeing the growth of Tyson Campbell and we see the valuable nature of making mistakes on the fly, learning on the fly. And if he continues to progress, we're going to say, well, wait a minute. Why aren't you playing Cisco? Because he could be making these mistakes and getting better for next year. And that's really where my attention turns. 2022, you know you have Josh Allen. You got Miles Jack. You got Shaq Griffin. You got Rayshon Jenkins. We can debate how good he is, but he's a veteran guy. And now you start adding in Tyson Campbell you feel pretty good about. Uh, you know, what else do you do with Chase on and others? You can get better at that spot. You can probably get better at middle linebacker. You, you know, maybe you'll have Cisco at free safety. You can get better along the front, but DeJuan Smoot's a part of this thing. Uh, that's that's crystal clear. Devon Hamilton's a part of this thing. Roy Robertson-Harris, you sign him to be a part of this thing. I mean, you make two moves in free agency and another move or two in the draft, and I really feel like this defense could... It's already like 20th in the league, isn't it? I mean, it could be a maybe a top 12, top 10 defense next year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, secondary, whether it's safety, I mean, we'll see with Cisco, but secondary can still be addressed. And I think, you know, interior can always be better, um, which you might be able to address in the draft as well. And then edge rush, you know, and um, to me, that that's the biggest thing right now is getting after the quarterback. Now, in this defense, you're going to manufacture that. You're going to blitz, and um, and that's the M.O., and I get that. But at the same time, you know, I mean, how do we feel about Caleb on chase on right now? How, how confident are we with him going forward in terms of getting after the quarterback and being the compliment to Josh Allen? You probably don't feel the best right now, you know, and this is playing a position for him this year that he's accustomed to playing, you know, standing up, dropping back into coverage every once in a while, taking a wheel route, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I I don't think in terms of production, he's really had a lot of that this year so far. So that's got to be addressed for sure because you can't be successful unless you have two bona fide um, linebackers on the outside. So, yeah, you're a few pieces here or there um, away from being a pretty dang good defense. It's just a, it's a matter of pushing those right buttons and getting those successful pieces. Let me ask you about a guy here, okay? I thought about this the other day, and this will sound outrageous, and I understand that. Will Fuller. <laughs> At outside no. linebacker. Okay. <laughs> Free safety. Okay. <laughs> Keep Speed. him as far away from the action so he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Could the Jags re-sign Taven Bryan? I mean, could they? Sure. 
Well, well do, I mean, of course they could. Um, <laughs> I know that. I think, no, I mean, okay, but what are you re-signing him for? Okay, let me ask you this then. If you want to bring Taven Dave, Dave Bryan back, in what capacity do you see him being a part of this team? Well, whatever he's doing the last few games where I notice him. And, and, and here's what I put it in. I put it in this kind of, uh, I know that sounds blasphemous, all right? I understand he's been not really that good. He has really come on in the last three or four weeks. I've noticed him. You have noticed him. We have noticed him. We're like, who is this guy? And we're talking about three weeks at least, I think, of consistent good play. What he would have to do is finish this year out being consistent, making some plays. But if that were to happen, you know who I'm going to put him in the category of? A guy like Dewan Smoot, where Dewan Smoot didn't do anything for the first few years. And then came on, in year four, they, they signed him to a very moderate deal, um, and, and now he's look what he's done. Like, he's a good player. He's not a, uh, a, a Pro Bowl player, most likely. He's not going to be like this 15-sack guy. He's not going to, you know, make all these splash plays. But Smoot is a reliable player for them. And, Austin, you know this. When you have eight guys in a rotation, you need those guys. Like, you need those five-sack guys, right? That's what makes a really good defense. If you can have the 12 to 15-sack guys on the edge, the, the disruptor in the inside, and then with your sixth and seventh and eighth guys in your rotation, you can still pick up a sack here or there or a tackle for loss here or there. That's what makes defenses really special. And so, like, I think Smoot is an example of, I don't know, maybe what Taven Bryan could be. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I think if you plan on re-signing Taven Bryan, then you're kind of going with the status quo right now because you already have Devon Hamilton, you have Malcolm Brown, you have Roy Robertson-Harris. Um, you do have Smoot playing down sometimes as well. Um, are you going to elevate that position? Are you going to draft somebody? Are you going to bring another free agent? But you have to elevate that position. I think if you re-sign Taven Bryan, you're just kind of riding that wave of being the status quo, and that's not what you can do. Now, I get it. Taven Bryan's playing a lot better football than we've been accustomed to the past couple years, and that's great. But it's, I would rather you go in a different direction in terms of maybe a draft pick in the, in the first couple rounds where you can develop and be like, all right, this guy's going to be a stud for years to come. Like I, I don't think the word stud um, is ever going to be... A non, you know, known with Taven Bryan. Yeah, but let me let me ask you this though. See, that's not what I'm talking. He doesn't have to be that guy. But then, and I'm not sure Stud is going to be smooth. But when you can have your sixth, seventh, or eighth guys in your rotation be solid players for reasonable prices, and you're still getting stuff out of them, that's what good defenses are. I'm not predicting that Taven Bryan's going to be a stud. It, but you know, Tyson Alualu's never been a stud, man. And you know he's been very good on defenses, and they've been very—they've been better because of him. Yeah, but I think Tyson Alualu is a stud. He just never got the recognition because of the stat line. But like what what they asked him to do in taking on double teams and um, just kind of doing the dirty work, he was the best at doing that. That's why he's—I mean, he's hurt this year, but it's why he's had a, the, the longevity that he's had. Taven Bryan's on that level. Yeah, um, and, and I would say you're right. I'm not trying to say he's a better player than, than Tyson. Uh, I'm just telling you, in year number four of Dewan Smoot, I wouldn't have said, hey, he's going to be here for the next couple of years, and um, you're going to like it. I, I wonder if we are saying the same thing. Again, and this is all with a caveat here of he's going to continue to show us stuff in the next six games. Like the next six games could be big for that. 
but you can only make so many moves. And Taven Bryan, to me, has the kind of player and athleticism and skill set, even though he hasn't got the most out of it yet, that is a guy that plays in the league for a decade. Because everybody's going to give him a chance to play, and he might continue to grow and grow. And we might be seeing that growth here. I'm, I'm, again, I don't know that. Uh, it's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm advocating for that. I'm just starting to wonder that because I'm starting to see number 93 uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars these last few weeks. And all I hear about for years is how gifted this guy is. And so if you add the gifted nature of him with the idea that now I'm starting to see him and he's starting to showcase himself, then maybe something went on. Maybe the light bulb clicked. Maybe Joe Cullen and company, it, they got him to do what he's supposed to do. Finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. I think it's going to be a fascinating one to watch. And I just wouldn't close the book yet. I might feel differently in a month, but I wouldn't close the book yet on Taven Bryant. Uh, talk a little bit about FSU uh, basketball and football uh, when we get back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 rolls on from String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. <laughs> A hard-fought, hard-fought game. Um, the one that had a lot of swings uh, to it. Um, you know, was one that um, you know, I thought our guys battled. You know, throughout, and just made some uh, mistakes there uh, that that truly cost us. You know, turning the ball over. You know, penalties. Um, you know, times where we had uh, some miscommunication. You know, obviously coming on the road, it was challenging. Uh, a challenging atmosphere. Um, and I thought at times, you know, we we let our our uh, passion and emotion, um, you know, probably go a little uh, a little too far. We weren't in in control of our response in certain situations. That is Mike Norvell, Florida State football coach. Uh, we've been believers in Mike Norvell. Kind of think he's the guy there, and I think he proved that over the last couple of months of the season after a very slow and bad start. And you could really start hearing the noise start to build in Tallahassee. Well, they won some close games. They still lost some close ones earlier in the year. Would have been nice to get the one over the Gators. Uh, I tried to tell so many folks, their roster just is not as good as Florida's. I mean, Florida's was four years in the making of building a roster. They had played bad football for the last month and a half. But the roster is way better than Florida State. At the end of the day, that usually wins. Uh, give credit to the Knowles for hanging around, but that game really wasn't that close for most of it. Brent Martino back here at String Sports Brewery in Springfield. Jaguars All Access coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll be here at, until 6 o'clock. Kevin Hardy joins me tonight on the show uh, on Fox 30, but come on by, say hello. And uh, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Uh, are you happy with the direction if you're an FSU fan? Five and seven's never good. You should never be happy with that at really any Power 5 school, but especially Florida State. But do you like where this thing's headed, Austin? Because, I mean, you got five out of your last seven games you won. You got the big one over Miami. They look like they're a mess. Can't even get an AD. And your recruiting class looks good next year. And Jordan Travis has established himself as a guy that you want on your team and, and probably on the field. I still think you can get better than him, but he's a he's a gamer now, and he showcases the toughness and I think something that people can rally around from a leadership standpoint on the field. Uh, are you happy with where the program's going if you're an FSU fan? Yeah, I think in, in terms of recruiting classes coming in with what Norvell's been able to do, um, in terms of how you finished the season, you know, I mean, you played a close game against the Florida Gators. Um, they got you at the end. You know, you go to Boston College, you beat them. Um, 
Yeah, uh, overall, like, I mean, it started off super rocky, right? And we were talking about, is Norvell really going to be the, the guy for the job um, after losing to Jacksonville State? And then, you know, Wake Forest comes out and curb stomps him. But uh, overall, not, not a bad season stuff to build upon. Um, I'm sure they wanted more wins, right? I mean, they at least want to be 500, I think, in terms of talking about a bowl game and everything. But I think it's it's a foundation now that you can build upon and improve from. But I think if they learn anything from the season, it's you got to come out quick. You know, you, you got to come out fast, and you can't take the easy layups for granted. Yeah, Casey, you've been through this a little bit as a Gator fan early, you know, last decade, and you kind of like, oh, my gosh, when's this thing going to turn? And you look for signs of it turning. Uh, and I don't know if we've seen concrete signs at its turn. I think that win over Florida might have given us one. If you beat Miami and Florida to end the season over the last few weeks, and that's pretty darn good stuff, especially the way it started. But I just feel like, you know what the thing to me is? As we're talking about Dan Mullen and Florida, and he was on his way out in the recruiting trail, Mike Norvell is not losing guys on the recruiting trail, and he wasn't even before they started to win. They were still keeping that recruiting class together, and I think he probably punctuated it with the way they finished. Yeah, uh, I agree, and I think if you're a Florida State fan, you should be encouraged by Mike Norvell because it was really bad, and granted, this was no, like, diamond year, but you could tell that they were making improvement, and you can also tell they don't have a talented roster in terms of some of these other teams. They beat teams that had more talented rosters. Miami has a more talented roster, and they beat them. And they played close with Clemson. They played close with Florida. So it's a weird place to be in because obviously Florida State expects more than that. But I think you're in a good spot. And Mike Norvell's held a a verbal commit from the number one player in the country since last year, and he lives in Georgia. So if he can keep that guy away from Georgia – that I mean, that should tell you something right there about Mike Norvell and what he's done for them, and that's why you should be encouraged if you're a Florida State fan. Yeah, and by the way, uh, I mean, th- that is a good get um, with, you know, he's kind of like the Pied Piper feel of that class, you know, a special player. So, you know, I think there's a lot to like. I- I'll say this. We watched them practice at UNF last year, or, or I mean earlier this year before the season, and you-, you just could see it clear as day. They do not have to get off the bus team. Now, they had a terrific player, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Jermaine Johnson. And will they continue to use the portal to their advantage as well? That'll be something to watch. But the identification of talent in the portal was something that Norvell did a pretty good job of because they got some guys that were really Thomas impact players. as well, for sure, was one of their better players on the defensive line with Jermaine Johnson. So, yeah, transfer portal is the way to go for Mike Norvell. And now he's starting to, as we just talked about, staple it with the high school kids now. He's got multiple yeah. five stars in his class. If he stays on the transfer portal, then it becomes a holy cow, this roster's good pretty quick. It could be, yeah. And then the next phase of that is okay, Jordan Travis, he's acquitted himself nicely. I think he, you can say a lot of nice things about him, and you should. It's a pretty cool story. But he's not the most talented quarterback. You're not winning big with him, is most likely. Uh, I think that's the next part of this, right? Can you, can you get the quarterbacks in play? And then what the good programs have done. Again, Alabama's and Georgia's especially, Ohio State's another one, is they have got quarterback after quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. The problem right now, even in Gainesville, is is Emory Jones the true answer to a guy like Kyle Trask and what you did with him? Well, he wasn't, and then you hung on too long, and Anthony Richardson wasn't ready. Now, Richardson might be the guy. He looks like he's the part, but he's not polished. 
and then can you can continue to get those guys in if you're Billy Napier. You have to continue to just have a load of quarterbacks to be able to play. When FSU was good under Jimbo Fisher, when they won the national title with Winston, they looked like they were getting quarterback after quarterback after quarterback even behind Winston, and then it all blew up on them. Right, and I think... It, it hurt Mike Norvell to lose Chubba Purdy because he was going to be your next starter. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're a Florida State fan and you're sitting here right now listening to us, if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt early in that game and miss a couple series where you have Mackenzie Milton throw a really bad interception and then you have to put Tate Rodemaker out there and then you punt again. So you had three punts while Jordan Travis was not in the football game. If he's in there, I bet Florida State fans feel like they could have won that game because – as you said, Brent, it wasn't like close, close, but at the same time, that was early in the game where a point where you go down and score, things are completely different. So to your point, yes, losing Chubba Purdy is going to be a problem. You do have A.J. Duffy coming in, who's a four-star from IMG, but the next quarterback after Jordan Travis is still a question mark because, like I said, you have Tate Rodemaker, who you don't know what he is yet. Chubba Purdy was that guy, but he's gone. Yeah, that's a good thought. Uh, by the way, one quick note, uh, speaking of FSU, uh, FSU report, uh, which I've kind of stolen a little bit from you today. That's okay. Uh, Casey is uh, brought to you by Willie Jules Old School Barbecue and Bono's Pit Barbecue. Men's basketball team, the expectation for FSU is like, hey, we're going to the Elite Eight. We're going to be one of the top ten teams in the country. They lost a lot of talent these last couple of years. They still were good last year. They're 5-2 and two overall, uh, but they've, you know, that Purdue team that they just got crushed by, really good. Like, good. really good. Yeah. You know, they got beat up by Florida. But I'm telling you, that Purdue team, look out. You want to get your early look at your bracket, start following Purdue. Hey, listen, you're setting yourself up for failure if you put a big uh, a Big Ten team that far in your bracket. I'm just telling you right now, it never works. <laughs> I tried many a night. By the way, uh, good call on that in the basketball. Uh, Florida State will play Syracuse at 4 on Saturday. The coverage will start at 3.30 right here on ESPN 690. But I have, since I started working here, you know, I keep the receipts I have our over-unders for the college football uh, wins oh, totals. I like that. So oh. we can do that after the break, but I have let's the receipts. Do, let's do that in Thursday night football picks. Uh, coming up, football at 5 on the way. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, live from String Sports Brewery here in Springfield.